Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. you're listening to a new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where we're reviewing The Colour Purple. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. Now, The Colour Purple is based on the Broadway musical adaptation of Steven Spielberg's 1985 film, which launched the film careers of Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah Winfrey. It follows Celie, who faces many hardships in her life, including an abusive husband, but with the support of sultry singer Shug Avery and stand-her-ground stepdaughter Sophia, Celie finds extraordinary strength in the unbreakable bonds of a new kind of sisterhood. The Colour Purple is directed by Blitz Bazawule, who is a Ghanaian multimedia artist who directed Beyonce's Black is King. The screenplay is by Marcus Gardley, who brought us The Maid. The film stars an award-winning cast, including Taraji P. Henson, Danielle Brooks, Coleman Domingo, Corey Hawkins, Her, Halle Bailey, Anjanou Ellis-Taylor and Grammy-winning artist Fantasia Barino in her major motion picture debut. Now, straight out of the gate, Tim, this is a musical, okay? I don't know if people realise that. There's lots of talk recently about how musical movies are marketing themselves or hiding the musical elements to try and get people Mm. in the cinema. This one 
as we've said, is based on a Broadway musical. So it is out and out a musical. Yes, 100%. It's very, very clear in the marketing for this one. Despite one of the bugbears I have just on this whole marketing piece that mm. is is top of mind, we've, we've seen it with Mean Girls and also Wonka, mm. people literally going in and being like, uh, they're singing. I had no idea this was a musical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this or, oh, I'm pleasantly surprised. What, whatever you feel in that space around musicals, it's not for everyone. Uh, but I, I have an issue with the fact that they just call these movies the same as their original. Mm. It's just called The Colour Purple. Why isn't it called The Colour Purple, The Musical? Why isn't it called Mean Girls, The Musical? Mm. It's just something little But again, it just adds to the confusion from a marketing perspective in what the audiences may be expecting going into these films. And it's not like they shy away from those addendums. You know, you've got like Mission Impossible, Mm. Dead Reckoning and like all those. Part one. (laughs) Part one, which they've dropped the part one now. Have they? I didn't know that. They have indeed. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see what the second part's going to be called now. Well, I'm kind of relieved because that title specifically was such a mouthful, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. So you have to take several breaths to get through that. But my point is it's not like Hollywood shies away from doing that. We've got upcoming Mm. Force of Nature, The Dry 2, things like that. They can absolutely add a musical. I mean, look at – Yes. Is it on the Disney Channel? High School Musical, the movie, the musical? Uh, It's (laughs) – is that what it High is? High School Musical, the musical, the series. <laughs> yes, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Uh, that's going a bit too far, obviously. But either way, they could add the musical onto the end of it. Also to add some sort of context to what this project is also aligned to. So not only the 1985 classic from Spielberg, that film was based on a novel that was published mm. a few years prior in 1982 from Alice Walker, which was drawn from her own life. Now that piece of work was awarded the Pulitzer Prize as well as the National Book Award for Fiction. So Mm. this story has been within our lives for more than 40 years. So it's it's made quite a cultural impact over the decades. I have a confession to make though. I have – I'm not proud of this. I've never seen Spielberg's 1985 Oscar-nominated classic. Yeah, I can see the look on your face there. You were scared to say that. Um, You must rectify (laughs) that immediately. But just on your point before about Alice Walker, I also want to point out that she was the first black woman to win the Pulitzer Prize for this novel. So the book and the film, as you said, they're cornerstones of culture. Mm. And it almost raises the question, like, why now? Why again? We have the book – we have the original movie. You also have the Broadway musical. But why do it again when all of that was so pivotal? Yes. And I guess some would argue that it's it's perfect timing in this climate with the Me Too movement and women feeling more empowered to speak up and speak out against oppression and abuse. I mean, we've got a long way to go, especially with like victim shaming and things like that. But it's an opportune time to, to redo this film. I'm 100% and... One of the things that I was experiencing while watching it and certainly a takeaway from the movie was that the importance that this film celebrates black stories and the themes and complexities that come with that experience. Mm -hmm. I was so relieved at the lack of white people in this movie because it's not their story. I came in not really knowing much about it and I was worried about its setting and and my interpretation of it that, are there going to be white characters at the centre of this somewhere peppered through? And they're not. And I was so happy about that because it is a story 
for the black community uh, mm-hmm. through and through end to end. There's only very, very minimal white people uh, yeah. present in, in this film, which is a relief. Yeah, and that, that feeds into the racism of the era. This is set in the early mm. 21st century, like 20th century. Yeah, so it starts in 1909, the film, the story. Yeah, so of course the big thing around there in the American South is the uh, rampant racism that was going on. So that you mm. kind of have to touch on that a little bit. But through and through, this is an internal story. It's a coming-of-age journey for Silly. You said it's an internal story, right? Which it absolutely is. And it touches on several main important themes that I think are important to discuss. I'll just list a a few off. There's themes around racism, race, like you mentioned before. Mm. Uh, It talks about sexuality. I'd like to go into that a little in Mm. in this episode as well, because I don't think it successfully explores that. And also the, the different kinds of violence, right? that the black community, especially women, have to endure. So it it absolutely doesn't shy away from big themes, big topics, Mm. but told with quite an intimate lens through the character of Celia and and other players across the movie. And when I say internal, I don't mean solo internal, like not just Celia. It's internal Mm. of a community, Yes, as you said, with all those themes going on. Um, I had concerns about how they would turn such a serious film into a musical because I haven't had the pleasure, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, of seeing the musical. I would absolutely love Mm. to. But from the first number in this film, I was utterly convinced. How did you feel when the first musical number kicked off? See, this is the thing. It goes back to the celebration of black culture and the community around praise and worship and their adoration for God and how that mm. peppers into their lives, how they interpret life and how they challenge their place in life. So I had not seen the original film, so I wasn't so like in tune with the story. But I found the passage of music to be a really beautiful invitation for some joy to be put into mm. a really harrowing story. So I found it really moving and impactful, the fact that it was a musical despite the story being utterly mm. <laughs> utterly devastating for the most part. Yeah, because it's quite a heavy story. Like there's no shying mm, away from that. Not at all. You know, resilience is the magic word of this film. Resilience yes. against adversity, poverty, racism, sexism, all those kind of things, survival and resilience. Mm. You know, basically Silly is abused and taken advantage of over four decades. Mm. It's heavy material in a coming-of-age casing and I just thought how do you make that into a light airy musical Mm. and they absolutely pulled it off I think I mean just on that there are songs in this movie that are light and they're spectacular in how they're portrayed visually and the music itself but within the strong themes there are some exceptionally powerful ballads that Mm. help push the story, that inner turmoil and dialogue that the characters are dealing with as well. So I think tonally it's the perfect balance of using the medium of music within a story that has good Mm. and bad things to say about humanity. And when you say musical, it's not, they're not singing all the way through it. No. You know, it's a, it's a drama interspersed with musical numbers Mm. because sometimes you say musical and people think that people are going to be sing talking all the way through it. There's quite a lot of dialogue in yeah. this, and rightly so. I think it works. It's interesting to point out that piece because there are some original songs in this film that haven't been used in the 2005 mm. and 2015 revival of the Broadway musical. So the musical itself has been around for you know almost 20 years itself, which is quite amazing. Yeah. And so if you've seen the musical, you're going to get something new out of the film. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important 
when you are telling the same story in a different way for arguably the third or fourth time or fifth, the book, the film, Mm. two iterations of the musical, and then now the movie musical based on the musical, based on the film, based on a book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you you have to keep it fresh for the audience and and also just contemporizing the story despite it being set, you know, some 110 years ago or whatever. But there are 13 songs from the musical stage production that aren't in the film. So it is on purpose with intention telling the story in a very, very different way that audiences who have seen the musical production, they're not in the movie. Yeah. And some parts have been changed or streamlined because, as you said, they have to fit in these musical numbers and these new musical numbers. Mm. I felt the film went on a little long. It was a long film. This is going to be my little criticism. So it does Mm. go on a little long. And I started to wonder where they could have trimmed some things out. And everything that Mm. I came down on, I thought, I don't think you could because it all speaks to Celie's growth over the decades. Yeah. You know, there was a section in Shug Avery's house in Memphis. I thought, oh, we didn't really need that because it was only a glance. It was only very brief and then Celie was back to her hometown. Mm. And I thought, what was that little? But but it, it spoke to her escaping. It's, it spoke to her breaking free. Yeah. So you couldn't lose that. I, I, it was it was really hard. So, you know, when it, what it boils down to is I, I did feel it was a little long, but I couldn't tell you what they should have got rid of. I enjoyed the film very much. I did feel its length at parts. And it is hard to determine where they could have trimmed things, just like your experience. So I totally agree with you there. I feel like just on the themes, there's some deeply uncomfortable themes that we've talked about. But many of them are assumed or implied. Others quite apparent and in your face may be the wrong Mm. term to use, but they're front and centre, right? And you have to deal Mm. with them as an audience because your characters are dealing with them head on. And we don't need, absolutely don't need performative abuse or uh, on film or overtly sensual love Mm. affairs if it's not needed. But it did leave some gaps in the plot for me and some like the overall flow Mm. of the film. One of the things I kind of alluded to earlier was around, there's themes around sexuality and fluid sexuality Mm. and things. And we even turn to each other in the movie, questioning some of the intentions of the characters. Mm. And there were some things around sexuality and relationship that were literally a kiss or just touched Mm. on and then never referred to again. And I don't, I don't know whether they needed to explore that more because it kind of left me a bit confused and empty. Yeah, so the lesbian subtext I think you're referring to between Shug and Celie, yeah. it is in Spielberg's movie and it's played down a lot right. in Spielberg's movie and that was a criticism of the 1985 film. But obviously being a product of the time, it wasn't something that they could overtly do back then. Yeah, fair enough. They could, however, have done it here. Yeah. They've leaned into it a little bit more than they did in the 1985 film but still haven't gone there. So I hear what you're saying. And that's quite – it makes sense – Time and place, 1985, I understand that. I'm curious to see or to learn how it's explored in the novel. But, yeah, this day and age, you would think that they would freely explore that a bit more because I found that quite interesting. But they moved on from it so quickly and I felt there was a gap in the character. But I guess also it's a sign of the times of the book and where it's set that Mm. maybe it was just alluded to you know what I mean? In Celie's life, maybe she couldn't fully go there. Maybe they didn't fully go there. We mm. do see a lot more of it in a fantastical, imaginative sense in Celie's yeah, mind. Yeah, beautifully so. And that's something I mm. want to talk about 
with this film, especially with the cinematography mm. and all that kind of thing, it beautifully explores this world in this yeah. magical realism kind of way. Yeah. And you get to see Celie's inner journey, which you wouldn't normally see on the Broadway show or maybe not even in the movie. You know, obviously fantastic acting from Whoopi Goldberg as Celie back then. Mm. Mm. She could act it away, but we actually get to jump into Celie's mind in this one and see things unfold. It really taps into her imagination, right? Because she is so oppressed. She has been subject to decades of abuse, like you mentioned before. She is contained to those four walls. Her eyes have not been open to the world, and especially with the disconnect with her sister, Nettie. Mm. Um, she longs for what the outside world could offer because she believes her sister is still alive, um, but she doesn't know that. And so with the medium of musical, it allows you to enter her desires, her mm. feelings, her imagination. And one particular scene, there are many, but the set piece with the gramophone and the bath mm. is just so big and bold and it just goes there. And it's um, it seems a lot, but it works so much. Mm. It's, so, it's so astonishing how they translate a, a feeling and a moment in the story into the medium of a, of a big set piece. The movie does it again and again and it's just amazing. Yeah, it's that visual quality to Celie's inner journey. Yes. Just putting you right, right in it. And just on Shug and Celie's relationship a little bit more, I actually found it really inspiring, you know, lesbian subtext aside. You know, these situations where women should be pitted against each other by society yeah. or men, but this sisterhood prevails throughout. And I just found that so heartwarming and inspiring to watch. And it was so moving because it was unique to the black experience at the time, right? Because women across history have always been oppressed and they don't often, wrongly, obviously, feel like they have a voice Mm. and they're not heard. So it was really amazing and inspiring, like you said, to see women lift each other up and Mm. empower each other, yet demonstrate empathy that we're not all the same. But that persistence and that sisterhood is always there. It's that red thread through this movie and it's just gorgeous. Another major theme running through this film is religion, obviously, and that's such Mm. an integral part of this community. I did feel that they lay on the religion and the emotion a little thick just before the end of the third act. Mm -hmm. You know, it starts to jar you out of it a little bit because up until that point I wasn't really aware of it. It felt so natural and so believable and I was completely Mm -hmm in that world and believing these characters are real. And then it got towards the end and it started to get a little bit long and things started to drag out and then they really, really went into this religion side of things. And the tone mm. of it shifted just a little bit. Yeah, It's mostly hope, obviously. That's the point where the film starts to really lift up. And I look, I was in floods of tears along with everyone else mm. in a lot of the third act. So I, I, I loved it and I enjoyed it, but it did start to lay on a little thick for me. I want to talk about the the pace of the movie mm. because as you mentioned before, the passage of time is, is quite a lot, mm. many decades from I think 1909 to 1945, if I wrote that down correctly. Mm. And I felt that there were really big gaps where you're just kind of jumping in the timeline that were a little jarring. Some of the passage of time and those transitions were done with utter perfection. Mm. But then I found there were uh, gaps in the film, which is quite extraordinary given the film is so long. Yeah. <laughs> it felt rushed at times. So that's just a bit of a criticism where I felt left of centre here and there sometimes mm. in how they chose to progress 
the story and I, I wanted to live in some of those periods of time that we literally just mm, move on, on from. Like some mm. at one point it was like a whole decade and I thought, hold on a minute. I really want to live those years uh, with the characters, but we weren't given the opportunity to. Yeah, I didn't realise until some time after that so long had passed. But those transitions mm. that you talk about that are used to show the passage of time or go from fantasy to reality and, and back again mm. for that matter are so damn creative. Yes, aren't they? I was so excited every time that happened and that just speaks to the creativity of Blitz Bazawule. Yes. And his visual eye and just mm. oh, gorgeous. Yeah, as a multimedia artist, worked on Black is King with Beyonce, like you mm-hmm. mentioned at the top of the episode. It encourages that creativity, just taking risks and doing something different visually in the medium of movies, but then throw the fact that it is a musical as well. It invites the audience to come on a bit of a different journey and how that story can be told. And more often than not, they absolutely nailed it. So I agree with you there. Like there's one transition in particular that I thought was just, oh, wow, like it's a bit in your face, but there's a picture of Shug Avery on the bedside table and it goes into the image. Oh, yes. And she's posing and she's and she's doing that. But then she it's like she's on a train and she starts moving a little bit and she can't quite keep her, her footing under her. And then it transitions back to the picture and you find that Celie's being abused by her mm. husband or her partner or whatever. Yeah. It, that's, yeah, it, that, that kind of transition, it's just very creative to connect those dots. It, it shows incredible discernment and preparation and planning and story storyboarding as well Mm. just when you think about the creative elements and how all the different departments come together a vision of a director in order to pull those off needs to be clear apparent and communicated to its team so that's why I think they were so successful throughout the film it's interesting to note that this film was produced by Oprah Winfrey Scott Sanders Mm. who worked on the on the musical and Quincy Jones and the original for Quincy was his first film foray into film producing. And then, of course, Steven Spielberg, the director of the original. They're all on board as producers. So you know you've got integrity behind mm. the filmmaking team and that it's going to honour the original. It's going to honour the story. There's so much experience in the back end of this film. You've listed all these names. But what is really beautiful and poetic is all those players, a lot of it was their first, right? You said Quincy Jones, his first foray into producing mm. film. Steven Spielberg cites The Colour Purple as his first quote-unquote serious movie mm. after making a lot of summer blockbusters like Jaws and Indiana Jones films. Mm. So The Colour Purple was instrumental in the direction of his career. It probably influenced him going off and making Schindler's List some seven, eight years later. And Oprah Winfrey and Whoopi Goldberg being introduced to us in the film. Mm. So it's amazing to see that they still have that attachment and connection to the story and that they're involved in a much more senior way to share this story with new modern audiences. I I just really like that bookend to to this story. I love it. We talked a little bit about the soundtrack and, and the Broadway songs that have been brought in. I also want to talk about the choreography from Fatima Robinson, Mm. who absolutely nailed it. Like the choreography is out of control on this film. (laughs) My eyes were popping out of my head. My head was bobbing up and down. Just the choreography combined with the music was completely engrossing. And in situ, in the main streets of the town, by the swamp or in that space, that barn where they have the club, Mm. you know, within the store with the, the fabric and everything, like it's just a celebration. How 
these performers can move is just amazing. It's just this kinetic energy with the music, like you said. It's just one of the highlights of this film is just how how movement is brought into the story so well. Another highlight is the locations. And mm. it's amazing to note that all of them were existing places. That's amazing. Which is incredible because they're absolutely stunning. I mean, some of the locations they chose for the iconic numbers, like there's a scene in a waterfall, a musical number near a waterfall. I can't remember the name of it with Celie singing about her children and knowing they're alive. Oh, yes. And that waterfall oh, yes. is absolutely incredible. Gorgeous. I want to visit there immediately. <laughs> Lee loves waterfalls. Who loves doesn't? a waterfall. <laughs> the costuming as well. Let's mm. talk about the costuming. Francine Jameson Tanchuk, who um, actually supervised the women's costumes on the original did an amazing job. The colours wow. are brighter than you would expect for this time period. There's some pastel hues that really feed into that magical realism and the fantastical mm. aspects. But the detailing and the period authenticity is absolutely superb. And the challenge of showing multiple decades as well, so starting yeah. in 1909 and then representing the passage of time through what characters are wearing and how mm. they're wearing it, but then also layering it with the expectation of musicals just heighten reality a little bit. Mm. So it was extraordinary work. And I love that piece that she worked on the original film. Again, this is a gorgeous yeah. poetic bookend of people that were involved at the inception and then again give the opportunity to tell this story in a new way. It just gives it an authentic quality that feeds through the film and really touches people who – have seen it before. And actually mm. it's really funny that Oprah Winfrey, there's a quote in the press pack that Oprah Winfrey says, this isn't your mama's colour purple. <laughs> yeah. But your mama will enjoy it too. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Another technical marvel that I constantly was celebrating while watching the movie was the lighting, the director of photography from Dan Lustan mm. and how that marries in with production designer Paul Denham, Osterberry. The lighting streaming through the cracks in the sides of buildings and the shadows. It was just a beautiful marriage between what camera and lighting and production design can do when it's so cohesive mm. and heightened slightly because you have musical numbers taking place in these spaces. It was so warm. It often felt very warm. And also so practical because it's shot on actual locations rather than recreated yes. in a soundstage. Which you can't duplicate for an audience to feel something real and lived in. So I'm so glad that they did that. And this movie, visually, you, you simply can't fault it. We have to talk about the casting and the performances. We've waited too long in the episode to talk about this. Uh, it should have been right <laughs> at the beginning because Fantasia Barino bow mm. down to the Queen. She's starring in her feature film debut, reprising her role as Celie from Broadway. Yeah. Barino actually won the third season of American Idol, if people don't know who she is. So she easily mm. has the chops for this kind of role. And lo and behold, she has the acting talent to back it up too. The journey we go on with Celia through Fantasia's performance is like the accolades that she is receiving right now throughout the award season is so warranted. My heart ached for her so much. Mm. You have to explore empathy for her. She delivers such an honest, gentle, but then really powerful performance later in the film, yet she's still so, so soft around the edges. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's just the perfect balance of tone and, my gosh, you want her to 
succeed and get through all those through this harrowing life that she's experienced. Yeah. It's such a beautiful performance. And she's so believable as being downtrodden and then also mm. can transition into this, not, not glamorous, I would say, but you believe prettied up confidence in a glow mm. that comes from Zeely. Yes. This yeah. could have been Cynthia Erivo in this role, actually. I think people were really? campaigning for it because she was in the Broadway production as well as Seeley. But it's absolutely the right choice getting someone with an unproven film record because you can completely lose yourself in her performance rather than recognising her, yeah. you know? That's so true. And do you know what? Physically, she was quite an unrecognisable because mm. I, I, I do know Fantasia and I remember her winning American Idol all those years ago in those early days when it was the biggest show on earth. Like I knew she was in the movie, but there was something about her portrayal of Celie was so stripped back that I, for, I forgot I was watching Fantasia. Mm. I really, I really, really did. So testament to her ability and yeah. her feature film debut. Wow. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> outstanding. We also have Danielle Brooks, who has played Sophia on stage before too. So she knows this character inside out. Um, and man, does she own it. Yeah. But she gets to bring a different performance here because obviously on stage you have to give 110% too. Mm. But on film you can really get those nuances and you can bring something yes. different to the performance and she just knocked it out of the park. She is fierce. She is assured. She's confident. And my God, she's funny mm -hmm. in this movie I, every time she came on i was like yes we've got this yeah. but my gosh when she has to be vulnerable when she is knocked down into the dirt and that nuance that performance her ability to portray that like you said mm. is so devastating and i didn't think i could laugh so much and cry so much over one singular performance yeah. she is astonishing really astonishing we've got taraji p henson of course as the sultry shug avery who rolls into town all glamour and fun mm. and isn't that just henson like she's a, yeah. a larger than life personality you just have to listen to her recent interviews and round tables talking about how she fired her whole team after empire because they didn't capitalize on it and get her all the opportunities mm. that she deserved you know there's no messing with this woman whatsoever but in this role she brings this incredible vulnerable quality to shug avery mm. that is so beautiful to watch just just yeah. hiding beneath the surface of that confident exterior it's it's absolutely outstanding and it just shows why she's one of the most incredible talents that we have working today i loved every time she came on screen and for some reason, I thought she was going to be much more of a uh, smaller character. So mm. I was pleasantly surprised at how much she was in this movie and her own journey through her yearning for love and acceptance of her father. She was such an enigma. She had so much influence and everyone fell over her. But like you said, she's dealing with so much of herself. Mm. You think on the surface that she knows exactly who she is, but she does long for acceptance like all of us. And that was a really beautiful layer to her performance. And to also play that level of, you know, she's a mistress. Mm. She goes and stays with her lover whose wife is there yeah, also taking care of her. Like it's so wild. Yeah, it's, it's so strange. But she has nowhere else to go. Yeah. So she's kind of forced to go there. And then mm. – builds this beautiful relationship and friendship with Silly as a result that shouldn't happen. Like logically they shouldn't go together, but the two of them play it so beautifully that you can see them discovering 
the kindred spirit within each other. Yeah. And just building on that. And oh, I loved their chemistry on screen. It was. That, that's a word that we haven't used until now. There's so much incredible chemistry yeah. in this film. And it's not used in the traditional way that there's chemistry between a man and a woman. Yeah, not like romantic or sexual. It's just... It's a chemistry between sisters. Beautiful yeah. sisterhood. Absolutely. Speaking of sisterhood, we have to talk about Halle Bailey's mm. performance as Nettie, as a young Nettie, because when you're talking about chemistry and building a connection, so early on in the film, that is the driving force for Celie to stay, keep her head above water, is one day seeing her sister mm. again. Halle Bailey just delivered a really sweet and powerful performance in such a short amount of time. And she's so new in her career and I'm just so excited to see where she's headed because yeah. she has a lot, a lot to give. Do you know she actually wrote a song for the film as well, Keep It Moving? Oh. Which is the one that the sisters sing together. And that song is basically the backbone of what Silly remembers from her sister, the lesson she learns, which is to just keep going. It's the thing that just keeps her getting through day by day, no matter what life throws at her. And Jesus, life throws a lot at her. Doesn't it just? Yeah. My God. It's awful to think back at what she endured, but my God, how how she survived mm. is just, women are so powerful. They are. Coleman Domingo, though, is starring as Mr., which is the role that Danny mm. Glover had in the original. They've zoomed in on Mr. with more of a redemption arc in this one. Mm. And I don't know how that will sit with people generally. Yeah, it didn't sit well with me. Right. How did it sit at all yeah, I mean, with you? Look, Domingo is an outstanding actor and he brings mm. such a depth to this character that I guess wasn't really there in the original. But I personally feel he's an irredeemable shit of a character. <laughs> I agree. He's a cruel, cruel man. Yeah. Like, he is a wounded soul, but it's irredeemable. Yeah, and, like, he's been hurt and, yes, hurt people hurt people, but that's not a reason to do it. And I feel mm. like they gave him this sort of redemption arc that, I mean, yeah, he does some nice things to try and avoid this curse that Silly puts in him. and He, he does, like, an amazing thing for her, a very pivotal thing for her that I don't want to reveal towards mm. the end of the film. But I feel like they make too much of that. Right. Like, hey, he's a nice guy now. My interpretation of that is this, whether or not it plays out as such in the film, and I think audiences, your responsibility to make a decision as to how you feel about the character of Mr., that's up to you completely. Did he receive a redemption? I interpret it as he thinks he is redeemed. That That's my interpretation. I don't think he's redeemed. I don't think that that played out particularly well, but... I'm at peace with the fact that he thinks he's redeemed and he's living mm. a better life and he made better choices and did some good in the end. That's that's what I'm taking yeah. away from okay, it. Okay, fair enough. There's a nice little nod to the original to see Whoopi Goldberg in a cameo too. Oh, yes. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, it was nice to see her. You give a little cheer like, yay. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. But I just want to take a minute before we move on to celebrate the ensemble cast because mm. they were out of this world. And it's always yes. the case when you see a musical, the ensemble cast hold it together. They are the glue yeah. that drives a musical. And it's no different in this film because they're all nameless, faceless, dancing people. But without them, the songs don't have that momentum. They don't have that power. Mm -hmm. They're holding the backbone of the film. I couldn't agree more. It's such a great opportunity to celebrate an ensemble cast 
in a musical, in a movie, and in this case, in a movie musical. So, yeah, <laughs> champion the little guys, yeah? Yeah. Well, Tim, let's wrap up our review of The Colour Purple for our... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Color Purple is a deeply moving cinematic experience. It translates the energy of a Broadway production and the complexity, vitality, importance of black stories to screen with conviction. The performances are told with such honesty and truth, it's impossible to walk out not feeling something deeply profound. However, as we talked about, the pacing of the film and its choice to imply some key character and plot elements leaves it a little bit uneven in parts for me. Despite this, a film very worth seeing on the big screen for the spectacle and celebration of black stories, I'm going to rate The Colour Purple for Popcorn Kernels. It's a great, great wrap-up, Tim. Blitz Bazawule's The Colour Purple is less about trauma than it is about joy It's light without shying away from the heavy. It's heavy, but not so heavy that you can't see hope. And hope is Mm. at the heart of the original story. It's a little on the long side, and I feel the emotion gets laid on a little thick at the end. But it is emotional. It's joyous. It's entertaining. It's inspiring. And you just have to look at the reaction of the audience in the screening that we went to and people were in floods of tears in the third act. Sobbing, sobbing. Someone next to us was actually sobbing. Yeah. And that just goes to speak to the importance of telling these black stories and celebrating black community. It's so important. I'm going to give The Colour Purple four and a half popcorn kernels out of five. Gorgeous. I love it. The impact of this story is is far-reaching. And The Colour Purple is in Australian cinemas from January 25. And obviously, we recommend that you go and see it. Highly, highly so. (laughs) As always, friends, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We have a website, popcornpodcast.com. Make sure you check it out. We've got all our episodes up there for you. If you'd like to get to know us a little better, there's an About Us section and we run ticket giveaways. So keep an eye on the website for more information.
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.